The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. Glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Just got a new disorder that uh, the former brand name Dacazin took care of. It is now the generic tricyclinol. Uh, it took care of Parentis Maximus Wimpus, chronic or acute type. Now, takes care of not only Bratus Majoris, but spinous malleus minimus. Look it up. Look it up. Nice to have you with me. Dr. Ray Garandi program here. The doctor is in. I have the good fortune and the privilege. And I'm not saying that just to curry favor with you. It's true. I am very, very grateful to be able to do this. I am very grateful to be able to talk. And to get paid for talking. That's right. Who would have thunk it in all of human history? Nobody got paid for talking. 99.99% of recorded human history, you can get paid. Nobody paid you. They might have listened to you, but now I get paid for talking. Never would have thunk it. Never. My grandfather couldn't have believed it. And all of his ancestors from Italy couldn't believe it. Actually, they wouldn't view this as a job. They wouldn't view this as a career, as a vocation. They just view it as, what are you doing? You get the paid for that? How do I get to that? The number to get me paid for talking is 877-573-7825. That's the number to call to get out of the program. Now, I get paid for talking. You don't get paid for listening. You just listen because you want to. And you can ignore me. I can't do anything about that. You can be hostile. Actually, if you are hostile and disagreeable, we put you straight to the front of the line. Because that's the way it is. I don't want to have everybody obsequiously, with fulsome flattery, been waiting to use those words, <laughs> say nice things. If you want to say disagreeable things, you're first up. Now, if you have to question about something in your life, a person, place, thing circumstances. I'm a psychologist. I don't do actual professional psychology here. We can talk. We can ponder options, educate a few ideas. Don't do any diagnosis. That's for certain. You can't do that. And I will not step into the turf if you're seeing somebody professionally. But as I said, we can educate. You can call for other reasons. You can call to help somebody else out. You can call just because, and we, we've done this, and it's, it's gaining momentum. My vast listening audience of nearly 200 people out there have a lot of ideas about how to live better, how to raise kids better, how to 
calm emotions, do all kinds of things to live more faithfully. And you call in and you can offer those. And I will be amazed or I will add or I will giggle. I will have some kind of reaction to it, but I certainly want to hear it. So once again, the number to call in, definitely want to hear from you, 877-57-EQUAL. You've heard people say that they have a lot of questions they want to ask God if they get to heaven. Why this? Why that? Things they want to understand that they simply cannot understand now because they're so limited in the way that our brain works. We're just incredibly limited. We don't have infinite minds. And some people will say, no, I don't have any questions. I'll just be so, so ecstatic to be in the presence of the Lord that that will take care of every single need that I have. And that's true. That is true. There's no question about that. That's, that's always been understanding. I have a question, more of a, a wonder. When we pray to God, we pray as though we're praying to a being who is hearing us. Now, <clears throat> at any given second around the world, there are millions of people praying to this being. And the church teaches that God can take into account the factors involved in someone being the way they are. Church says uh, the blameworthiness of someone's conduct is known only to God. So he weighs everything. He weighs everything perfectly. The kid who is raised without a dad and, and with a mom who is a drug addict and who by age 14 gets involved in the streets and meets a very quick end at age 17 who never paid attention to God, who never even thought about God, who never even knew about God, who never was exposed in any serious way to belief, God takes that into account. He's not going to judge Ray Garendi the same way he judges that young man. All right, here's my question. I want to know, well... Like, like it's my right to know. But if possible, I would like to know. God, how do you do that? How is it? Now, I know, I know, I know, I know people are going to say, he's infinite. Infinite can do anything. Yeah, I know that. That's, that's, the, that's the generic answer. He's infinite. But I want to know exactly how that infinity plays out. How is it? I guess this would be my question. God, that you know the thoughts and the reason behind those thoughts and the neurological structure in every single person's trillions of brain cells involved in those thoughts and which ones are damaged and which ones aren't damaged. So that when dementia kicks in, for example, you know which ones are causing that person to do things that would be viewed as perhaps sinful. You must, at any given exact moment in time, 
be totally and completely aware of every single person's brain in the world. We estimate there are seven to eight billion, with a B, people in the world. And any single nanosecond, that's one times ten to the minus nine seconds. It's one of the things I remember from physics when I paid all that money to remember that from physics. I could have looked it up on the internet. Well, back then, when I was in college, we just had an abacus. That's all we had. And we were grateful children. But I digress. At any given nanosecond, dear God, how, how is it that you are completely, totally aware of everyone and all of the neurological signals in each person's brain which now you multiply the 7 billion people in the world by trillions and trillions because that's how many (laughs) neurological cells there are in the brain and they're firing at any given moment and the soul has to play upon those cells kind of like it plays upon a piano so I just would be so curious Maybe it's because I'm a shrink. How do you do that? How is it? Now, God may look at me and just simply say, Raymond, it's sufficient for you to know I'm infinite, and that's the answer you're going to get. And I, maybe I'll be. He's God. He can give me whatever answer he wants. But I sure would be curious to know how is it that you can do that? That's all. 877-573-7825. Question about life. Comment to help someone else. Disagree with me. Comment on the manologue. And if you have a generic suggestion to help people live better, that's, that's our new direction in the program. And we open up the lines for those also. I know a lot of you got a lot of great ideas. 877 877- 57 equal. Thank you. I'm Dr. Ray. Thank you for joining me. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. And we need to pray for all our world leaders and all those who are in such danger. See, in a day and age where people are getting further away from God, you get further away from goodness. Only God is good. You remember what our Lord said one day? Why do you call me good? He said, only God is good. Only God. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. 
My Life Angels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents, to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. My Life Angels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com. This Ave Maria program is brought to you by the following. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of our biblical faith heroes, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. From sponsor TVN with host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo comes a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. In theater September 18th and 19th, it's Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. The doctor is in making your parenting more fit. Making your kids have less fits. And the most difficult of all, making your husband wear clothes that fit or that match. My wife put the animals on all my clothes, you know, that gur animals thing for little kids. Yard bark goes with the giraffe. I I wasn't upset. It helped me. Anonymous mail caller from Kentucky. I appreciate the call, sir. How are you? Hi, must be doing wonderful. That a boy. Um, well, I, can I say, freedom for saying that a boy, uh, that a sir, that a man, that a person. I'll just try to be as inclusive as I can here. Yeah, well, I'm talking to you, so I must be doing wonderful. I like it. Put that one, Andrew. Put that one down as a potential bumper clip. Thank you, sir. What's up? Um, I was uh, substituting for my wife. She runs an aftercare program, after-school program at our local uh, parish school. You're a brave man. And, uh, uh, yeah, after I did that for a week, I went home and watched uh, Kindergarten Cop, but that's another story. <laughs> um, at one point, a mother came in to pick up her two boys. The younger boy was in the art program. He's, he's in kindergarten. He was doing artwork and his little paper cut out that he got cut uh, was cutting out that torn how I don't know but he started yelling and screaming at his mother and hitting her and um, I was quite taken aback she just sat there and calmly talked to him and I finally said son that's no way to talk to, your, to treat your mother. It took me all I could do from to restrain myself to keep from intervening right there and sitting in, in time out and giving him a serious talking to. How the mother react when you? How the mother react when you said that? Uh, not much. Um, she kind of said, um, 
kind of weakly agreed with me. And on the way out, she said something about when he gets that way and when he's hungry, and if I give him a snack, he'll calm down. There it is. And snack parenting. You yes. were thinking smack parenting. She's thinking snack parenting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I know if that been one of my children, um, the, the consequences would have been very long and over. It was, but also they wouldn't have got any snack, that's for sure. What do you think's but, going uh, on with that mother? I, I, I think it's weak parenting, personally. And I think I got another situation I'm, I'm dealing with um, that I think it's the same same thing that parents well, you know, they want to say my kid's a good kid. Uh, yeah, he's not on drugs. And, he's not on drugs. Yeah. Well, you know, little children are little savages if you let them. And you have to um, teach them right and wrong, what's good behavior, what's bad behavior, and there has to be... Sir, why do you think with- Why do you think that your view on parenting is so radically different from this mother's view? Well, uh, probably because of age. I am uh, uh, I'm in my 70s, um, and um, it, I grew up with a different... Put this way, if I had done that to my mother, um, I, I would probably... Oh, you wouldn't be here mom, talking to me, that's for sure. Uh, that, yeah, <laughs> especially if my father was there. <laughs> Let me jump in here very quickly, sir, at a comment. I believe that your generation, as a group, had more parenting sense with ledge with less education, I mean, your generation was far, far, far less educated, uh, college-wise anyway, than the youngest generation here. And yet, what you saw is extreme, but it isn't uncommon, which is, the parent says, this, this is the child's conduct, this is his feelings, this is his expression, and um, this happens when he's hungry, so uh, I just need to give him a snack, not a smack, a snack, um, <clears throat> and he'll be fine. Now, the danger, sir, I've been at this a long time, is that the snack ain't going to work, or if it does, it's only going to work for a short period of time, and that kid's going to get older and older and older, and he's going to hit harder and harder, and mom will wonder... Why is he like this? Why is he doing this? I believe that so many of the ideas, sir, that now run parenthood are absolutely devastating to a good, loving parent-child relationship. People listening to you, I think, maybe not this, not me, not so much this audience, but I think a generic young parent audience would listen to you and think you're a throwback you're the old days we're much smarter now we're much better at this now than than you were and your mom was and we know how to gently raise children and we know how to get through 
to what the emotional struggles are, what the low sugar is in this kid's physiology so that he's hitting me. I know, I'm telling you, my friend, uh, you witnessed something that comes to my office regularly, and I typically have to explore with the parent when that happens. What is keeping you from responding to it? Thank you, sir, for a great call. You will be a look-back call because there's so, so, so much more to say about it. I thank you for calling. Paulette is, she says here, wah. No, no, Washington. Sorry, I, I just thought that was a shorthand. I'm used to texting. I saw WA. I saw wah. Hi, Paulette. Hi. You got a good idea for me? Um. Uh, yeah, what worked really well for me, and I don't know where I got this wisdom from, um, about the time my children were preteen or middle schoolers, um, I realized... Was I on the air then? I, you know what? I just stumbled across your your station today. What? I don't know. Yes. I you mean to tell me, Paulette, that you raised your children all those years without me? Yes, I had a lot of other good, wise people to help me. Right now, you said other good wise. That's include. If you say other, that means you're saying by extension, I'm good and wise. How do you know that? Um, it was a, a, a knee jerk reaction from listening to you for five minutes. <laughs> That's good. I think you mean well. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. So you uh, tell me how you did this with your preteens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I found myself doubting a lot and being frustrated a lot and overwhelmed when they wouldn't do what I had told them for the 100th time to do. And so I learned somewhere to stop and take a break in my brain and ask them what should they be doing right now and and then just be quiet and make them think back into all their training and regurgitate it and repeat it to me. You know, if, if one of them said, if I said, go to your chores, and they go, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. I said, what are you supposed to do? Every day, what are you supposed to do? And they had to stop and think and go, I don't know, empty the dishwasher? Yes, that's right. Did you always get the I don't know first? And, yes. Oh, yeah. They, they immediately <laughs> went to, I just, you know, they just shrug and say, I'm just too tired. I don't want re- to think about it. You tell me, Mom. And I said, no, I'm not going to. You know what you're supposed to do. It hasn't been done yet. I want you to go do those things and come back and tell me what you've done. And I found that took a lot of stress off of me. I was no longer screaming at them. I wanted to be able to like them and not be angry all the time. I had a lot of stressors in my life going on, and they needed to just grow up. And I had to quit telling them what to do and make them tell me what they knew they were supposed to do. I got a speculation here, Paulette, on why that worked. First of all, you stopped nagging. You said an interesting thing. You said, I told him a hundred times. That's right, because the law of diminishing return was at play. The more you nagged, the less they listened. It was that straightforward a relationship. So you, you broke the nagging. You said, here's what I want you to do, or what do you think I want you to do, is the way you put it. And they told you. Now... What would you have done had they told you what they were supposed to do, but then they didn't do it? What would you do then? 
in my household, it was taking things away, um, it, you know, privileges. If, if I asked you to put all the DVDs you watched back on the shelf and you didn't, I would collect them and lock them up. So you acted. You, you did things. That's why what you did worked so well, Paulette. Because the kids knew, they sensed, that their mother was going to give them this, this chance to say, this is what I'm supposed to do, Mom. I know this. And then Mom, unspoken, was going to say, if you don't do that, here's what I'm going to do. Beautiful combo, Paulette. Please keep listening some more. Love to have you. The, you I'm looking to get my listening audience up over 200. This is Dr. Ray, 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call. Got a great comment like Paulette or any question about the stuff of life. Father Benedict Rochelle. I don't think people should have negative fears of God, but I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the Pope or to the president of some country or something. You might get a lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have, and we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize His presence, and in proportion as we believe that He is present, we shall have them, and not to have them is not to realize, not to believe, that God is present to us. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Sanctity is not an outgrowth of a person's political opinions. Sainthood is about the demonstration of heroic virtue, and that has virtually nothing to do with a person's politics. Not all political views are equally good, but whatever your political view, you can be a saint. Because being a saint doesn't mean that you have all your intellectual opinions perfectly formed. It means you have been purged of disordered self-love, and you have put on Christ. The late Cardinal George used to say, the church is not conservative or liberal. The church is Catholic. Dorothy Day, was she conservative or liberal? Oscar Romero, conservative or liberal? St. John Paul II, conservative or liberal? We have a different agenda, even when it comes to the social order. But our primary agenda is sainthood. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. I had to take literature courses and commented on linguistics. I had a prof who said it was the human ability to use language that makes him the dominant species. Well, that may be, but but I, having a dog, I think there's another thing that makes us a dominant species, and I'm not afraid of vacuum cleaners. That's what it is. I mean, that back and goes on, that dog goes nuts. That's what it is. 
877-57-EQUAL is the number to call. Remember, I've said this often on this program, chronology, order is not the main thing. You can call at any time in the program and essentially have an equal chance of getting on the air. Oh, that's a good question there, Drew. I'm coming at you in a second. An equal chance of getting on the air because we select calls on the basis of many factors, not just the order. Although I got to admit, I got to admit, if somebody calls right at the top of the show or even before the show, I feel guilty because they've been sitting there for 32 minutes. I feel bad about that, so I feel the tug. Drew has a comment on our first caller, the gentleman who was substituting for his wife in an after-school program and saw this little five-year-old wailing upon his mother because he needed a snack. No, not because he was asking for a snack, but because mother said the reason he's hitting me is because he's hungry. Blood sugar's low, and he needs a snack. And as soon as I give him a snack, he'll stop. Of course... My comment would be, well, maybe he just stopped because you gave him a chocolate bar. I know most five-year-olds will stop whatever they're doing if they get a chocolate bar. Hi, Drew. How are you? Hey, how are you, Doctor? Well, thank you. Thank you, sir. I know what you're going to say here. Yeah, go ahead. Make um, that. It's a good observation. Go ahead. Yeah. um, By the way, I love the show. listen to you every day. Um, I don't listen to you every day. Go ahead. Uh, my comment really was, I, I agree with the older gentleman. He's, he's old enough, well, to be my father, but I agree with him. That's the approach I would have taken. However, he seemed a little confused why the mother um, was at a loss. She didn't know how to respond to the child, how to, how to discipline appropriately. But I want to get your comment. His generation raised her generation. Um, yep. And, and I don't understand what the where the confusion was. I mean, if, if he has a hard it, time understanding, yeah, where did it break down? Yeah, yeah, maybe uh, uh, go on, run on that a little bit. Your thoughts on where um, was it a year? Was it a form of technology that came out? At what point did the transition happen? It happened gradually, probably fifty, sixty years ago, with the onslaught of the expert types. See, you're right that, in fact, his generation, or maybe a, a, a generation somewhat later than his, raised that mother. But that was not the only factor in raising that mother. One, the culture uh, had really radically changed the last 20, 30, 40 years, and especially the last 10, in its views of what is moral and what is good. So that's one. The other is the hundreds and thousands of parenting experts out there. And they all have, well, I don't say all, most have ideas that are quite different from the way that gentleman was raised. Now, he made the observation that if he would have smacked his mother, uh, the consequences would have been long and hard. Now, most experts, in my opinion, would, would just go, oh, well, see, that's the problem. That's the problem. That autocratic, dictatorial, kind of authoritarian style of that generation. That's what they would say. So I think, Drew, a a huge factor in the shift has been the relentless publication, uh, preaching, therapy of expert types 
on the scene who are telling parents we have a new and enlightened way to do it. I'll tell you, Drew, I get a boatload of parents who come to me because they are trying to raise their child in a new and enlightened way. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to be an autocratic dictator. Absolutely not. But they're, they're, they're nervous about asserting firm authority, and their kid's eating them for lunch. And it was like our mom said, who called just a, one call ago, she said, I got tired of hating my children. And that's what I hear a lot from parents. I don't like this. I wanted to have five kids. I stopped at two because I can't deal with the two that I have. So you're right, my friend. The the shift. My first parenting book was called You're a Better Parent Than You Think. And I was, an, I was a nobody in terms of authorship. Nobody. And I sent this idea on to the publisher in New York. Big name publisher, Prentice Hall. They took the book. Because I know that what I mentioned in my query letter, that parents are getting nervous and neurotic and unsure of themselves and lacking authority and second-guessing themselves, struck a chord. It resonated with, I think, those young professionals of that publishing house in New York. Because they wrote me back and they said, yeah, we want to publish that book. And everything I had read, Drew, said... If you're Ray Garendi working at a mental health center in Columbiana County and you had just gotten your Ph.D. three years ago and you'd never even so much as written an article, you have no chance of getting a New York publisher to look at your manuscript. So, yeah, I think you're right. This was way back. I was in kindergarten. That's the other thing I have to throw in. And, and, and I touched upon the onslaught of the experts, and I've talked about that in, in numerous books since. What's happened? You're right. Uh, I think your your point is so well taken. The only thing I would comment on, well, not the only thing because I've been rambling, but one of the things I would comment on is that uh, the experts have kind of taken over parenting. So that that's where that's at. You gave me a chance to ramble, Drew. I appreciate it. Uh, again, love your show. Keep up the good work. Ah, thank you, sir. Keep listening. I appreciate it. I'm glad somebody listens all the time. All right, got some calls up there. I ask you to be a patient. Well, you're not a patient. You're a caller, but you're not a patient. I mean, you'd be a patient if you come to the office. No, we don't even use it. I was told in grad school you can't say patient anymore. You had to say client. Patient kind of implies, you know, a sickness because that was the, the psychiatric underpinnings. Somebody comes to an MD, they're known as a patient. Psychologists didn't have patients. We had clients. Okay. Just keep changing names. All righty. Uh, 877-573-7825. 877-57-equal. And I very much appreciate your good calls. And and I love this. Uh, you people are calling in to give great ideas on how to do it better. I'm writing them down. I'm going to put them in a book. And I'm going to make a whole lot of money off of you people. Thanks.
Connection with Teresa Tomio. Suffering in the world, personal suffering. One of the biggest things that keeps people from really giving themselves over to the Lord or joining an organized religion. Suffering doesn't seem to make sense. Why do children suffer? Why are there wars? Why is there persecution? Why are some people poor, others rich? Why is there such an imbalance? And on and on and on. A loving God wouldn't do that. Well, God doesn't do that. First of all, we did it to ourselves because in the beginning, right, we chose incorrectly. And then sin came into the world. It was not supposed to be like this, but God gives us free will. He does not want to force himself on us because otherwise we would be puppets. But how many of us can look back and forget what came out of a particular hard time? You don't learn really good, strong lessons when everything is going great. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. What is the proper name for the third person of the Blessed Trinity? The Catholic Catechism tells us that the proper name is the Holy Spirit, a name the Church received from the second person of the Blessed Trinity. The term spirit means breath, air, wind, but when joined with the word holy, clearly designates the third person of the Blessed Trinity. Jesus, in promising to send the Holy Spirit, calls him the paraclete, which means he who is called to one side. Another translation is the consoler. Jesus also referred to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth. St. Paul used many titles, Spirit of the Promise, Spirit of Adoption, Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of God. St. Peter called him the Spirit of Glory. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. It is important to sound knowledgeable and helpful. And one of the ways to do this, and I've noticed this with guys like Matt Frad and uh, Kelly, is that you've you got to have that Australian accent. So I can't do the Australian accent, but I can do the German accent, which would be reminiscent of some of the very earliest people in the mental health field. So, well, I will deal with those who have a loosable in the strudel. Uh, see where I'm going. Okay, a lot of good calls up there. Uh, real quick answer to Jeanette from Columbus. She didn't stay on the air. Have you ever thought about writing a book on raising a handicapped child? Two responses to that. One, my very first book, You're a Better Parent Than You Think, has a section called He's a Special Child. And I talked about how parents with handicapped children of, of some type oftentimes uh, don't allow themselves to be confident authorities because their view is life has already thrown him a hard curve, so therefore I have to allow and tolerate more than I would otherwise because I recognize his frustration or I recognize the issues he's dealing with. and. There is some truth to that, but I've seen so many kids absolutely behaviorally sabotaged because the parents were nervous about how to raise and discipline a child with handicaps. Uh, I, the simple rule of thumb on this one is that you ask yourself, whatever this child is doing, is this a behavior that will help him in life? 
And if you're going to raise a child who has various issues because of the handicap, you give a lot more affection. You give a lot more attention. But it's generally not wise at all to allow behavior that would be very off-putting to other people and would make this child be unliked, unlikable to other people. Uh, Let's go to Patricia from St. Louis Mo. Hi, Patricia. Yes? Do you know there's a song written about you? Yes, I think Uh, so. That's right. The song was, uh, I think it was made popular by a guy named Lenny D. He was an organist, organist and it's called Patricia. It's a beautiful song. Well, anyway, oh. you, have a, you have a suggestion for me. I, ha- I have a suggestion. When I was little, and I'm 84 now, but when I was little, my mother would ask me to do things, and I would start asking questions. Well, da 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 how about, uh, you want me to do it now or later? Or what? And finally, she got, she got you the You were stalling. You, know you were stalling. Know. You were trying to wear her down. I don't know. I don't know. We had an interesting relationship. Anyway, she said, I'm going to write it down for you. I said, oh, okay. I thought, oh, that's good because paper and pencil doesn't have emotions. And she and I had emotions that we never talked about. So you battled so each other. You battled each other. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a long story. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> uh, but she wrote it down at one, two, three, four, five. And I said, is that all? Is that it? She said, yeah, that's it. Just do that. And I did it. And you know what? That was a good lesson for me because down through the years, couple of years, I started keeping a log of everything that happened during the day and writing down what people said and what their phone number was. And it's been the biggest help for me because it takes away any questions or emotions or uh, da da da. And I ask people if they have a business card because I want to know how to get in contact with them. Very many people do not have business cards, but I have one. I said, Patricia, I have a question me. for you, dear. What? Have you been taking notes as you listen to me? Saying, oh, well, no, that hurts. That hurts. You've been taking notes on everybody else except me. Well, see, I absorb you. I absorb you when you're talking. It gets into my skin. It's kind of like a photosynthesis of radio, huh? (laughs) I will call it every week. Boy, did you duck out of that one. I had you on the ropes. You were going to have a mandatory mental eight count, and you ducked out. My whole life has been that. Well, that's a good idea. You know, I'm always curious, and we don't have time to talk about it. You call me back sometime. I'm always curious, what exactly was it, and you don't have to answer this, but somehow, as a little girl, when you saw your mother's request or command in writing, you obeyed. Now, it isn't because you had some mental process, probably, that you didn't understand it because you said you argued with her. You asked all kinds of questions. You, you, you questioned her request. But then she wrote it down, and somehow you didn't question it anymore. Was she conveying that I'm not going to argue with you anymore, Patricia, about this? No, I, I don't think that way because as a little girl, I, 
I never thought my mother was anything, just my mother. She's fine. I just figured she's making it more clear. And if she's writing it down, she's taking time to write down what's in her head. And I don't have to argue with it or ask any questions. I ought, it's in English, so I ought to be able to figure this out. So I did. And well, I, using and your rationale, Patricia, using your rationale, uh, we're going to keep you on the phone. Uh, I want you to give your address to uh, Eric. And then I'm going to send you, I'm going to write down, Dear Patricia, would you please send me $100? Because, you know, if I wrote it down, right, you did it. <laughs> Bless you, dear. Thanks for the call. I'll talk to you. <laughs> All right, honey. Bye. This is Dr. Ray taking my last break. And then more women anxious to talk to me. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with a book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. What is going to happen to the number of people living alone into their 80s and 90s? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. For various reasons, the number of seasoned saints in their 80s and 90s is climbing fast. Within this decade, the first baby boomers will turn 80. Gray divorce is a thing. And of course, there is the reality of our mortality. As expected, more females will enter their 80s and 90s alone. These statistics are sobering, but they don't have to be depressing. Some like living alone. Many of us have family nearby. But the stats show that families and public policy will be affected greatly by this demographic shift. So what can we do? Plan ahead. Honestly assess your health and abilities and make adjustments, even to your home. Embrace technology to help you on this journey. Build community with your family, friends, and in your parish. And remember, Jesus is always with us. It's a promise. For more, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Having an in-body experience as I speak, I feel like I am trapped inside my body, looking out through my eyes. Very disorienting. Eileen from North Dakota. Hi, Eileen. Hi, Dr. Ray. Thank you for taking my call. Um my question to you is that I recently learned um, about a young man who's about, I guess he's 20, um, who started viewing um, pornography at the age of 12. Um, when he learned at the age of 15 that it was a mortal sin, he, um, I guess, continued doing it um, until actually about a year ago, from what I understand. Um, he's, he has indicated that he has not been doing this for about a year. But um, he still lives at home, 
Um, he has obviously, obviously access to the Internet with his phone all the time. And my concern is that um, he, he may be lying about his continued use of it. I don't know. Um, but I'm wondering if his parents should not or should be told um, about the situation, because I understand that, you know, with addiction type, types of behavior, the importance of having a uh, supportive environment is really um, a critical part, part of the treatment. So I guess that's really my question to you today. Should his parents be informed? Eileen, what prompted this young man to tell you? He didn't tell me. He told someone very close to me. Um, and I was talking to this person, and um, she actually indicated it to me, and she was very emotionally distraught about it. Um, and so, anyway, that's so he that's can, he about he confided in her. Yes, mm-hmm. I would suggest that you keep this as simple as possible. That you talk okay. with her, and you ask yeah. her to explore this a little further with him, and say, yeah. okay, if this is a struggle that you'd like to conquer, mm-hmm. do you want me? Or do you want to tell your parents what yeah. you want to do about that's, this? Because you're okay, one person yeah, removed. Yeah, you're one person removed from this. I heard it from right, someone right. who heard it from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, and I told I told her that just today. I said I really think that they're that his parents need to be informed, and I think that you should tell him that if you're not going to tell them, I will. But I don't know if that's the right thing to do either. So that's yeah, another part of the question. Yeah, this, again, he's not 14. He's an adult. No. Right. And uh, right. And you're right. With all the years he's been doing it, it's uh, probably pretty unlikely he stopped. Um, yeah. But I think explore with the girl exactly what prompted him to tell her. Is this a girlfriend? Is this a relative? Yeah. Is this is a girlfriend? Girlfriend, yes. And in fact, what happened is um, she told me, she said, well, I just asked him point blank. And um, he told me. And I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. I said, he, because he did tell me, he said, I told your, I told her something because, and I told her because I did not want there to be secrets between us. Yeah, well, he, thought, could, well he could very well have jeopardized that relationship, too. Oh, definitely he did. Yeah, definitely he did. And um, I think that's why she finally told me, because I, I didn't know what the issue was, but I knew that there why was they, something very... You didn't know why they were happened. breaking up. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, now she has probably less leverage over him, because mm-hmm. if if he still wanted to have a relationship with her, and one of her conditions was, well, you got to get help, and I'm going to let mm-hmm. your parents know about this so we can all work on this together... That's one thing, but if she said no, I don't. I'm I'm no longer in a relationship with you. Then I I guess he would probably say, well, then you're not telling my parents. But I would I would explore the conditions with her, and uh, okay, yeah, and see what what exactly she can do with him, even right. even as the relationship is broken up. I mean, she might be able to say to him. Do you see what problem this has already caused you? It has resulted in me pulling out of this relationship. And if this is a relationship that this kid really wanted, 
then he's now he seeing the results of his pornography use. Right. So he now does, for the f- he desperately wants, yeah, he okay. desperately wants to get back with her. Yeah. Well, then she might tell him, "I'm I'm going to have to see that you make an honest effort to break this habit." Yep. All right, Eileen. Okay. Good luck to you, dear. Thank you. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. Thank you so much. Mary from Wichita, Kansas. And by the way, Mary, good Lord permitting, we are heading out to Wichita in November to do the TV show. Just wanted to tell you that. Thank goodness. I might have to try to be there with you. Well, you better. Gee. Oh. You better or I'm not going to answer your question. Okay. Okay. I will. I really don't have a question. I just found that listening to all the other different ones on the program today about their uh, encounters with children who were trying to be misbehaving. And uh, I didn't quite have that kind of thing that my son, when he was a junior in high school, he, uh, as I look back, he was trying to exert his authority over his parents, which of course was not there. Mary, I'm going to have to rush you along, dear. You only got about a minute, so I'm going to have to rush you along here. Okay. He was being disrespectful to me that he didn't want to do what I had told him to do. And I ultimately told him, you do it because I told you you don't need another reason. Okay, let me let me, let me me jump in here, honey. I'm going to have to rush you. You said your okay. husband said you won't speak to your mother that way ever again. And he stopped. Yes, he said that immediately after. Good. Yeah. That's and, what I tell the guys yeah. out there. Do not let these kids mistreat your wife like that. Do something yes. about it as a father. Mary, great stuff. Thank you, my dear. All right, we just got a couple of seconds here. Quick announcement. We are, God willing, in September 25th, 26th, going to be in Billings, Montana, taping the TV show. Those of you listeners in the Billings area, I know they're uh, they're promoting it. Uh, you go to uh, BillingsCatholicRadio.com. The register is right there. You can come to one show, two shows, three shows, four throws. You can bring all the kids. Get three of you homeschooling families with the 12 kids or the 18 kids or however many you got. You can fill up the audience with just two of you families. So, love to have you. Um, this will be our first time in Billings. I came out there to speak some years ago. Uh, Roy Brown, who uh, is running that beautiful station out there in Billings. But we're we're looking to fill that audience up. So we would love to have you go to BillingsCatholicRadio.com to register. And uh, we will feed you in between the shows. So if you've got a whole bunch of kids, you'll get them fed. So that would that would be worth listening to me. It'd save you 30, 40 bucks. Enough of that. All right. Thanks, Andrew Kruchek. Thanks, Eric Dumont. And I thank you, folks, for kindly listening to me what percentage of the time that you did. So, only one walk in this world is permanent, is forever. That is your walk with God. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.